Well, while they're taking their seats, if you've got your copy of God's Word with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Oh, good batch of songs we sang this morning, right? I tell you, if we would just do the things we sang in those songs, wouldn't be a need for what I'm doing right now, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. This is this is in no way, shape, or form at, at, at Jonathan and Betsy, but uh, I think on Sunday mornings across America, more lies are sang by Christians by way of songs than any other way uh, during the week. Uh, do do we as Christians really mean the things that we're saying? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Do we really mean that? Do we really mean? Take my silver and my gold. Do we really mean all those things that we say? Or are we just mindlessly singing them? Uh, something good to think about uh, as you're singing these songs. Go back, uh, maybe spend a quiet time and, and read through that hymn that we sang and ask yourself, is that is that the motivation of my heart or was I just lying to God when I sang that? Something decent to think about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the excellent songs that we sang this morning. Lord, I pray that as a church that they would be our heartbeat. Lord, I pray that you would indeed uh, take what you want from us. And I pray that you would take our will and let it be yours. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this next passage in Ephesians, Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity. I pray that you would use me to feed your people. And God, I pray that... uh, that we would all leave here with better understanding and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And it's his name we pray. Amen. Well, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. I want you to keep your hand there. And I'm going to read two parallel passages. And so if you're interested in, in turning along with us, I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 3. And then I'm going to be over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now I'm going to read a handful of more passages today than, uh, than just this the section in Ephesians and just these passages that we're turning to. So you're welcome to turn. You're welcome to just listen. Uh, whatever fits you best, you do. But just by way of reminder, we're in a section in Ephesians where Paul has, has taken three chapters in the beginning of Ephesians and he's told us all of these great things that we have in Christ. So you have all of these spiritual blessings in Christ. You have all of these earthly blessings in Christ. And now because of those things, Paul wants you to live your life a certain way. And we've talked about uh, the way that the church should conduct itself. We've talked about the way that husbands and wives should conduct themselves towards each other. We talked about how children should operate. And so this is the last section that we're going to talk about. And this is a passage that talks about the relationship between slaves and their masters. And now you may think, well, I well, I thought we were I thought Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation was a long time ago. And why are we talking about slaves and their masters? There's a principle here that that guides godly living that I think can change each of your lives by studying the way that slaves should treat their masters and by the way that masters should treat their slaves. Now, I'm in no way advocating that any of you should go and get slaves. Uh, you all have. Probably this this bent mindset a lot like I do. And as soon as you hear the word slavery, you think early, late 1800s America, late 1500s, 1600s America. You think about tobacco, you think about slaves picking cotton and things like that. And if we're all going to be honest, we think white people, black people. When we think of the whole slaves thing, we think of white plantation owners owning black people as property. Now, 
You guys all keep up with me. I'm not always going to be politically correct. You hear my heart on everything that we're talking about, though. And so that's where our mind goes when we think slavery. However, Paul has a lot of different things to say about slavery. He, he talks about that we all are actually slaves ourselves. However, we are slaves to Christ. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. So while none of us own slaves, that's years behind us. What we do have is, a, is an idea of how, in an ideal world, slaves should treat their masters and how masters should treat their slaves. Now, I want to broaden this a little bit and move beyond just slave master. And I want you to think that these principles are also good for how employees should treat their employers and how employers should treat their employees. Some of you that are employees at a company may think of yourself as a slave. You may think of your employer as a ruthless tyrant. And I'm trying not to make eye contact with any of you business owners because I don't want you to think that it's you. I haven't heard anything and this isn't geared at any of you guys, but you may think that way. Here we also have that some of you children could take this as principles on how you should treat your parents. And parents, you can also take these principles as to how you should treat your children because these are all true. So I want to broaden it from just slaves and I want those other relationships. I want you to think in that mindset also. So here's the surrounding passages. The first one is in the book of Colossians chapter three, verse 22. It says this slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Now over to First Timothy chapter 6. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Verse 2, those who have believers as their masters must not, de- must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. Now, Now we're going back to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 5. And I want you to know, I just want to reiterate that we're not talking about early American slavery. Now, within all slavery, anytime you have a slave and a master, there is a potential for all sorts of catastrophes to happen. There's all sorts of misappropriate behavior that could happen. And every Christian around would agree that the atrocities that happened in early America were all bad, right? We're all in agreement that all of those things that happened were bad. Now, in this day in slavery, now this is earlier than America. We're not talking about going into Africa and taking people who are, are happy there and then bringing them against their will to somewhere to serve. We're talking about some of these people were in debt and they sold themselves willingly into slavery to pay their debt. So this is this is somewhat of a different type of slavery that we're talking about. I want to make sure we get this clear. There's always room for disaster with this sermon in the South. So you guys all give me the benefit of the doubt. If you fall asleep, 
don't uh, make sure you you go back and you get the download and you listen to the whole thing, not just bits and pieces of it. Now, with this, you are in ancient Rome and you did also have some slaves that were captives from war. And so there is an element to some of these people may be in slavery against their will. However, these slaves, some of them, just like in the ancient American days, Ancient America. That's funny, isn't it? No such thing. We're all new. Uh, much like the earlier days of America, you have some that were treated incredibly well and some that are not going to be treated well. And it all depends on the owner of the slave. Got me? You're giving me this. Okay, good. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, and this is where we'll stay. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And so Paul has taken this piece of Ephesians and he's talked to husbands and wives. He's talked to children and parents. And now he's talking to slaves and masters. And first to slaves, he says this, run away. Ah, you guys are all looking up. He doesn't say run away. He says, slaves, be obedient to your masters. Exact same thing that he told children to do to their parents. And so if you were a slave, Paul's advice wasn't to run away. Paul's advice was different. It was be obedient to your master. What else does he say? The master who is, excuse me, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. And so that master, according to the flesh, is your master. You're to obey him and you're to obey him with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. And so you as a slave are to obey your master the same way that you would obey Christ. And you're to obey him with your heart, not by way of eye service, verse six, as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And so slaves were to obey their masters just like they were obeying Christ, and they were to do it sincerely, as from the heart, just like they were doing it to Christ. That's completely different than anything you may think of that Paul would say, isn't it? It's not what you would expect him to say. But listen to this. We each, and I'm in in no way, shape, or form abdicating any sort of, of slavery. We each are in wherever we are in life because God has put us there. Now, am I saying that God took early America and put put all of those people in slavery? No, I'm saying that God knew where they were. And God has an ultimate will and an ultimate plan. Even when things are awful, God still has a plan that he's going to work out ultimately for good, even when we don't know what it is and even when we don't understand it. So he says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers. So if you're a slave, you're not just supposed to be a obedient to your master by way of eye service, but or as a man pleaser, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now, why would he tell slaves, don't just be obedient by way of eye service, but be obedient sincerely from the heart? 
And the answer is because when you are sincerely just doing things for, make sure I get it right, when you are just doing things by eye service and you're just doing things to please men, everybody around you knows it. Everybody around you. When you just do something to be seen doing something, everyone around you knows it. You can rest assured of that. The pastor who preaches simply to make a paycheck, everyone knows exactly what he's doing. The Sunday school teacher who just teaches so that they can be influential in the church, everyone knows it. The deacon who wants to be a deacon just so that they can have power in a church, everyone knows it, right? The person who has event church events at their house just so that they can look godly, everyone around them knows it. So you and I can take a lesson from these from Paul's guidance to these slaves, and we should do everything that we do, not by way of eye service, not by way as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now, have you ever thought of this? If you were a slave, now I keep telling you this, and and I keep having to remind myself this too. We're not just talking about early America. If you're a slave, did you ever think that it is God's will that you obey your master. Many times, probably the overarching question that I would get from youth and college students, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? I'm about to graduate high school. I'm about to graduate college. I have no idea what God's will for my life is. If you were a slave, this would be God's will for your life. Obey those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. And so you would think, but I'm not doing anything when I do that. What do you mean your will for me is to obey my master? That's not any sort of life. As a Christian, as a Christian slave, your job is to obey your master. It's God's will that you do that. And he says, as slaves of Christ, um, go over to... 1 Corinthians chapter 7, hopefully this is going to help shine a little bit of light on what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and so it may be brought up that, hey, I was a slave and then I got saved, what do I do? Maybe you were a slave owner, then you get saved, what do you do? Now, you guys, uh, I feel like there's an elephant in the room. It's really awkward right now. You guys are, you guys all have these puzzled looks on your faces. So every once, every one, every while, every once in a while, one of you guys at least smile at me. Give me a little bit of a, uh, give me a little something. Throw me a bone here. Cause, uh, boy, it's like there's something crazy going on in here. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter seven. Listen to this. This also helps shine light on what God's will is for your life. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And so however God called you, you're supposed to walk. And so I direct in all the churches. This is verse 18. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is to be uncircumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Now, he's also talked about marriage and divorce here. He says, are you married when God called you? Stay married. Are you divorced when God called you? Stay unmarried. And so the principle here is that, and I'm going to push this a little bit farther than it says here, but I think that you'll get this principle when you go back and read it. Whenever you get serious about your walk with the Lord, Whenever you start to ask the question, Lord, what is your will for my life? 
the first thing God says is stay where you are. Don't go anywhere. Stay exactly like you are. Then let's talk. So he says, verse 21, were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. And so if you are a slave, when the Lord called you, you are the Lord's free man. Right? You're free in the Lord. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. And so are you a slave? Stay a slave. Unless you can become free. Are you free? Stay free. Don't become a slave. Are you single now? Stay single. Don't go get married. Are you married now? Stay married. Don't go seeking a divorce and don't go seeking after other people. And so the idea here back in Ephesians is that we, not just the person in slavery, are all slaves. Just because you have a particular title doesn't mean that you're more of a slave or less of a slave. So back in Ephesians chapter 6, obey your masters, verse 6, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God. So if you're a slave, if you're, let's push it a little farther, if you're an employee, if you're a child, when you do the will of your master or your parent or your employer, you are doing the will of God. And so if you guys are like me, you go day to day sometimes and you think, man, how is any of this benefiting the cause of God? And the reality is, is that when you do the will of those of your masters, and I'm sure none of you guys like the idea of calling someone that's over you your master, but we're going to use the biblical language here. When you are doing the will of those that have seniority over you, you are in fact doing the very will of God. Following me? So you are to be a good employee. You are to be a good slave. Now, how does all of this benefit Christ? How does you doing things not for eye service and not for men being pleasers of men, how does all of this benefit the cause of Christ? And the answer is this. I, I don't want to pick any of you to be the particular slave owner, but let's just say that there's a random person who's a slave owner and we are all his slaves. And one of us is a believer in Jesus Christ. The believer, the the slave that is a believer in Jesus Christ is to obey the master and to do what the master wants him to do according to the flesh with fear and trembling as he would do it to Christ. Now, of what benefit is that kingdomly speaking? The benefit is that the other slaves see your work ethic and they understand who God is as a result of that. And so if you're an employee and your, your, your boss or whoever is asking you to do things that are difficult, you do them and you do them well. Now, first of all, nobody's saying anything about doing anything unethical. Nobody's talking about anything that's against the law. We're just talking about day-to-day tasks. And so you as a slave, you as an employee, need to be the absolute best that you can be for the people who are employing you because the name of Christ is at stake in everything that you do. And so you do it well so the people that are surrounding you can see your behavior and they can learn something about how you interact with Christ also. Because how much sense does it make for you as a slave or you as an employee to talk about how great Christ is, to talk about how great following him is, and your master on earth asks you to do something and you don't do it genuinely with a whole heart? 
It's incredibly hypocritical to think that someone can serve a heavenly master and they can't even obey earthly things. So maybe a lot of you out there like to, I don't know, take somebody who likes to, takes to drive wild. Do you expect your kids to believe that you're worshiping and doing what your heavenly father says when you can't even obey some of the simple things that the police say to do? I would, I would go as far as to say that if you're not obeying people on earth, you're not obeying your father in heaven either who you can't see. That's a tough thing to, to think about. So he says, I want you as slaves to do these things, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, render service as to the Lord, not to men. And so, again, you're working for your your supervisor or your master or whoever, as you would be working for the Lord. Now, if I was to take a straw poll and ask you how many of you do what your supervisors ask you to do uh, as you would do it to the Lord, I would hope that all of you would say, yes, I do it. The reality is probably we don't. Probably we do things as good as we have to do just to get by many times if we were to tell the truth. But we ought to be people of convictions who do things to the Lord. Now, there's a there's a slippery slope here. Let me share a quick story with you. I used to work in the construction industry. And uh, so I would I would naturally build things. And whenever you're and you guys know this more than I do, whenever you have any sort of company, you have uh, time and time is money and you have a product that needs to be put out. And so most of the time you need to create or to sell a product in a certain amount of time in any in order to make any sort of profit. Now, the, with my particular convictions that I held, uh, I was the type of person who would, uh, as a business owner, I would lose money in order to do a job well. That's just the way that I was. And so if I thought a job was going to take me two days and it actually took three or four days in order to do it well, I was willing to take a loss in order to make sure that the final product was good. Now, you can't do that so often and be a business owner, hence maybe why I'm here and not out there as you guys as business owners. But here's the principle. I ended up getting pulled off certain jobs because the the Mexicans that I was working with, and this is not derogatory, could work faster than I could. However, many times their product wasn't as good. And so I didn't get fired as a result of my convictions. I did get switched over to more of a quality assurance type place. And because of my convictions, I ended up making more money because I was the guy that would get sent out to fix everything. So as jobs were getting done, when problems would come in, I was the guy who got sent out to make things right. All as a result of these convictions. Do things as to the Lord, not to just get by. And so he says, with goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. If you were to go over to the book of Colossians, one more time, Colossians says this in chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to true knowledge according to the true image Excuse me, according to the image of the one who created him. So you, now that you've put on this new self, you're being renewed. This says in verse 11, a renewal 
in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freed man, but Christ is all in all. And so if you found yourself being a slave in Christ's eyes, you are not less of a person because you're a slave, but you are an equal person to the very slave owner. You following me? This is the exact same discussion we had between men and women within the marriage. Just because the man is the head of the house doesn't mean that he's of superior value than the woman is. They're both of the same value. They just have different roles. And so it is possible to have someone who is a slave and in God's eyes they are of equal worth to the person that quote unquote owns them or that they work for. And you can be of equal value to God and still have different roles. And so the idea here is that, let me go back to Ephesians. Ephesians says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And so if you're a slave and you think you're being mistreated, if you're an employee and you think you're being mistreated, the things that you do to your employee, or excuse me, to your employer, or to your master, you will be called to account for. He says, whatever good thing you do, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And so when you are a slave and you do good things for your owner, when you're an employee and you do good things for your employer, you will be repaid. When you are a, a call it a slave owner in the text, or whether you're an employer or whether you're a parent, and you do good things for those slaves, you also will be repaid for the good things that you've done. And so this is, this is if you've had kids at all, you've dealt with this. So the idea is this. You're a, a child or a slave, and I'm not saying the two are the same, but I'm saying that sometimes the line is blurred uh, because you naturally, as a kid, have to do things that uh, your parents don't want to do anymore, if we're going to be honest, like cut the grass. That's why well, you have a bunch of kids, because you don't want to cut the grass, right? Uh, we got the idea from the farmers who had a lot of children so that their kids could work the land and not them. That's where we get the idea from. Anyways, so you're a slave, and you may think that you're being mistreated. You may think that, uh, excuse me, I didn't want to say mistreated. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And so you may be a slave, you may be an employee who feels like a slave. You are to do good things for those that are above you. This is when it's tempting, when people get in a gaggle, when teenagers get in a gaggle, when young children get in a gaggle, when even adults get around the water cooler and none of their seniorities are there. And they say, I can't believe they did that. Can you believe that? We ought to do this. We ought to do that. These are the things that we should do to get back at them because I can't believe that they would do this to us. How dare them? And you get in this gaggle and you, you when you get in a group, you, you get more bold than you would be by yourself. And you want to do all of these things as a group. But the reality is, is you want other people to do them. You don't want to do them yourself most of the time. And so you have all of these people and then someone does something. People begin to, to take actions that are, are inappropriate towards their superiors. Sometimes children, and I'll stick more with the children analogy, the kids start to do things that they shouldn't do. And then when it's time to call them to account, what do the kids say? But, but so-and-so, but so-and-so, but so-and-so, everybody else was doing it. And, and in the text, 
It says you are to do good things because you'll receive those back from the Lord. And so here's the idea. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You are responsible for the deeds that you do. Whether you're a slave or whether you're free, you are going to be repaid for the good things that you do. And listen, all of the details don't matter. It doesn't matter what situation you found yourself in. You don't have to be free to do things. You don't have to be a slave to do good things. You don't have to be an adult and you don't have to be a child. You, whatever your lot in life, wherever you work, no matter how good or how bad, whoever you work for, you are to do good things for Christ. And none of those other details about your lot in life matter. It's a very easy principle that that we're trying to teach our kids also. You are responsible for you. But he hit me. I don't care. You are still responsible for what you do. But he said something mean to me. I don't care. You are responsible for what you do. As soon as you open your mouth, you're the only one that can make you say things. You're the only one who can raise your fist to hit someone. Follow me? And so you, regardless of your surroundings, are responsible for you. And then he says, and you will get repaid for these things, whether you're slave or free. Now we're in verse 9. And masters... Do the same things to them and give up threatening. And so if you're a employer, if you're a master, you are to give up threatening. Maybe you're a parent. Stop threatening people. It's not godly. Don't make threats. You know, people who really carry out the things that they say don't have to make threats anyways. You only have to continually make threats when you're, you're speaking bogus things. Someone who... Uh, A parent who does what they say they're going to do never has to threaten their kids because their kids know what's coming to them. It says, masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And so maybe you're an employer or maybe you have people that work for you. Maybe you you have, and I keep saying this, maybe you have slaves and masters because that's who the text is originally talking to. But maybe you have people that fit the bill here. God wants you to know, Paul wants you to know in this letter that you may think of yourself as a master, but you're not. You both actually have the same master who lives in heaven, and that's God. And so you may think that you're in a place of seniority, but it's very, very temporary. A time is coming when all of our masters will call to account everything that's been done, and you're going to be responsible for the things that you did and the things that you said. And so he doesn't make partiality. And so it doesn't matter what your life is. You may get to the end, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people when God gets to judgment day, and they say, but, 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 and God's going to say, it doesn't matter. You were responsible for what you did. Nobody else. There isn't any partiality uh, in God when it comes to this judging. And so if you're a slave, you're to be obedient to your master. And if you're a master, you are to do treat your slaves the way that you would want to be treated. Give up threatening them and know that both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. Last place we're going to turn to is over in the book of Job. Job chapter 31. And Job is is a contemporary of Abraham. So he's right there around the same time. And listen to what he says. Job chapter 31, verse 13. This is when Job is is going back and he's taking a panoramic view of his life. 
He says, if I have despised the claim of my male or female slaves when they filed a complaint against me, what then could I do when God arises? And when God calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him in the same one fashion us in the womb? And so even Job realizes that he is to treat his slaves with the utmost respect because the same God created them both. And Job was going to be called to account on the way that he treated his slaves. Now, while Paul didn't come out and say in Ephesians chapter 6 that slavery was a bad idea and it should be done away with and abolished completely, what he did set up were some principles that would, whether you realize it or not, would not allow for slavery to go on in an inappropriate way within the Christian arena. And so, in a way, he abolishes slavery from the inside out instead of from the outside in. Remember, you can make anybody do anything, but if they do it of their own accord, then they do it genuinely and wholeheartedly. And so Paul here realizes that what's going on, not so good. And this was written uh, sometime before 70 A.D. and right around that same time, Caesar, you guys familiar with Caesar, the head of the Roman Empire? Caesar passes a law that has a lot to do with people setting slaves free. Caesar actually says, okay, you guys have to stop turning loose all of your slaves because our society can't deal with it. And so partly as a result of the things that Paul has to say, slavery gets abolished in much of the Roman Empire, so much so that Caesar notices and he has to pass a law in order to deal with all of the slaves being free. Now, is it possible for slavery to be a good thing? This is this will peak up your attention for the very last few minutes. Is it possible for slavery to be a good thing? Yes. You're like, oh, no, kill him. Take him out back and lynch him. Paul, in Paul's day, there was this idea of a bond servant. And so let's say that you were a man and you had slaves, right? You treated your slaves well. You gave them a place to live. You gave them money. You, you paid them. And then you, you took good care of them. And you treated them like they were your very own family. There was a time in the Roman, normally in Roman society, by age 30, you were set free as a slave. But sometimes this would happen. This would happen in Jewish culture as well. A slave, when it was time for him to be set free, would come to his owner with a, with a wooden spike and a hammer. And he would say, I don't want to be set free. I want to remain your servant or your slave voluntarily. And they called that person a bond servant. A bond servant was a person who had been set free as a slave, but they willingly remained a slave to their master because their master took better care of them than they could take care of themselves in the outside world. And so it was possible within the framework of this slavery for a slave to want to remain in slavery because the owner could take better care of him than he could take care of himself. And so what would happen is the owner would take the wooden stob and he would drive it through the slave's ear. And that was symbolic of the slave being a bond servant to the master for the rest of his life. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. It was a way to provide for some of the people who realized that they couldn't provide for themselves. And when Paul starts out different letters, he calls himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And so all of the things that you think about slavery, you should be like that towards Christ. You should be a slave of Christ because Paul will go on to say that no man is free. 
you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. And there is no in-between. And Jesus is going to say in the Gospels, what do you do with a bad slave? What do people do with bad slaves? You don't do good things to them. And he compares that to the good slaves will be welcomed into heaven. And the bad slaves aren't really slaves at all. And they're not going to make it. And so a wise thing for you to do in this section here is consider Jesus Christ the master. And consider you the slave. Are you a good slave of Christ? Or are you a poor slave? A slave that would be beaten or sold. Something good to think about. When you sing the songs that we sing, do you mean them or do you just sing them? As we come to our time of invitation, I want to pray for us. And I want you to give a lot of thought to this as you go throughout your week. Think about yourself in relation to being a slave of Christ and ask yourself how that sounds. Do you, do you really want to be a slave of Christ? Do you want to be consumed with doing the master's will? Or do you only want Christ as an accessory? You guys know what accessories are. They're not necessary for the outfit, but they accessorize it. But it's not the main thing. They look good on the outfit, but they're not needed. Do you like Christ? Do you serve Christ like he's an accessory? Or do you serve Christ and do you like Christ as your master? Would you be willing to be his bondservant? Even when he said, I'm setting you free, would you freely come back to him and serve him? That's the question on the table. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we have a, as we had this conversation about slaves and, uh, and masters, Lord, I pray that we would obey you as our master. Lord, I pray that we would look to you and to you alone for for the direction that our life should take. Lord, I pray that we would look to you for our provision. I pray that we would look to you uh, for housing and food. Lord, I pray for that you would indeed uh, be the master of both this church and our lives. And so, God, we pray that we would be your bond servants like Paul, that we would freely serve you, that we would freely follow you, readily admitting that you can take better care of us than we can take care of ourselves. And Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You guys will stand with us for our song of invitation. For coming. I'm glad that you were here. Um, don't forget uh, something you shouldn't forget. Don't forget to sign up for the Joy Club lunch. Uh, it's a catered meal, so it's real important that you sign up. And uh, if you come, or if you say you're coming, make sure you follow through on that also so we don't waste any food. Uh, enjoyed seeing all you guys. I hope that you have a, a great week. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Brother Jack Powell, would you close us in prayer?